Well, as we continue again with our, this idea, this theme, you know, Paul's words in Galatians, uh, uh, until Christ is formed in you, this idea that he's being formed in us. We invited him into our lives. We receive his Holy Spirit. And in Paul's words, he, said, he uses that he's being formed in you. I don't know that I've ever really, until that, I ran across that passage, it just kind of hit me. Right? I just kind of always thought of it as, well, he's, you know, I invited him in my life and he's there. But as I stopped to think about this, I've let this continue to sink in. What I recognize is, is wow, there's, there is this growing in me, him growing in me, where, where I become less and he becomes greater, where, um, where I listen to him more and slow down a little instead of just reacting to life. Where I become more like Christ because he is being formed in me. And so today as we look at this story, this story you know, we want to have that lens. We want to work that direction. And, and last week we looked at uh, a bit of the story, we kind of, this little section in Luke, we're, we've kind of slowed down on, and, and it started with Jesus going to the synagogue and preaching, and, and when, what we're told is that uh, the crowd was amazed that his words had authority, is what they said. And then last week we looked at this, um, this piece of the story that, that Jesus was speaking in the synagogue, his words had authority, and, a, and an evil spirit, a man with an evil spirit came, and he started making a scene, and Jesus basically said, quiet, leave him. All right, and uh, we didn't highlight the exorcism that takes place there. What we wanted to see, what I, what I wanted us to see and take away from it is, is these two things. One was this, is if, if an evil spirit responds that way to Jesus because you know what, the evil spirit didn't go, yeah, I don't think so, right? The evil spirit left. The evil spirit did what Jesus told him to do. Who am I? to not submit. I mean, who do I think I am? I tend to treat, you know, God's commands as more like suggestions, requests. Sometimes I say, well, I feel like, you know, Jesus is asking me to do this. No, he's not. He commands. If I love him, I will obey his commands. That means he commands. Who am I that I think it's okay for me just to decide what to do, what, what to obey and what not to obey? And the other thing that I wanted us to see is this, if that's the way an evil spirit responds to Jesus, who, who shall I fear? Because greater is he who lives in me than is he that is in the world. The, the enemy doesn't know God's plan. We don't need to give him that much power. What, what Satan means for evil, God can use for good. What looked like greatest, the greatest defeats turn out to be the greatest victories in, in God's story. So whom shall I fear? And today as we look at this story, that, that's kind of our review from last week. So, so as we continue in our story, what we find is, is Jesus has just cast out this evil spirit and, and the man is, you know, is free now. And we pick up in Luke chapter 4. And we're only going to read two verses today, okay? Somebody was excited last service about that. But anyway, um, Luke 4, verse 38 and 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. 
Now, Simon, by the way, let's just pause for a minute. That's Peter, okay? So I just want you to get this. We know this guy, okay? Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Okay, so as we look at this story, I, I, one of the things I want us to do is, is let's, just, let's just recognize maybe we can't bring with it some baggage. As we read the, into this story, it's possible that some of us have some baggage that comes along with that, okay? Which affects the way we read the story. Now, what I, what I think of it as is it's almost like we have these, these glasses on that change the way what we hear or change what we see. The glasses and the change the way we hear doesn't make any sense, does it? Change what we see, okay? So we, we have these lenses that we... T- and, and so let's just acknowledge what these lenses are, okay? Now, I don't know, maybe this isn't you, but for some of us, we see the word mother-in-law and we're, we're ready to stop right there, right? Oh, come on, Jesus, you don't need to heal her, okay? Makes me think of there's this, this guy who... Uh, he met the girl of his dreams and uh, he, uh, um, he decided, oh, I want to introduce her to my mom. And so he planned this, you know, he figured, thought about, well, how can I introduce her to my mom? And he, and he finally came up with this idea. And so he went to his mom and he said, Mom, I have met the woman I'm going to marry and I want, to, I want you two to meet. And so he goes, now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back with three ladies. And I want you to try to figure out which one I'm, is the girl of my dreams. And so she's like, all right. So she, he leaves and he comes back just moments later with three women. And as they walk in, the third woman walks in and she immediately, the mom goes immediately, that's the woman you're going to marry. And he's like, holy cow, that's amazing. How did you know that? How did, how did you know? I, I can't even, I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. And she goes, oh, it was easy. She's the one I didn't like immediately. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I have to say, ah, my wife has an amazing mother-in-law. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, actually, I have, I have a good mother-in-law too, okay? I'm just kidding around, okay? But, but it's possible that, okay, that one might be a little stretch, that there's, there's, maybe that's a lens that we kind of bring with it. It's possible. It is one of those relationships in our world that is joked about a lot, right? It's a relationship that is oftentimes strained, and it can affect the way we read the story. I hope that we don't let those kind of things get in the way of the richness of Jesus' story. But there might be a few other things that we bring with it. There might be a few other things that, that, that make us look at this story with a different perspective. And one of those is, is um, some of us have had experience where we've asked for healing. We've asked for healing from ourselves. We've asked for healing for somebody else. And Jesus didn't. That's a very real lens. That's, that's kind of some baggage that we can bring with it. And so as we look at this story, it, it can kind of affect the, what we see here. In fact, it may cloud all of the other things that are happening in the story. And maybe that's not your experience. Maybe your experience is, is well, currently I'm praying for healing, right? And if, if you're in that state, my guess is that um, you may be looking at this story and going, is there some hope for me? I mean, Jesus took away this woman's fever. Is there hope for me? Or maybe even, you, as you look at this story, you're thinking, oh, what? So, so what are the tricks? 
I mean, because that's what I want to have happen, so I'm going to read the story and find out, well, how do I make this happen for me? I know this might be really hard for you to believe, but there are people, there are Christians who really try to get God to do what they want them to, rather than ask him what he wants. And that's weird, isn't it, that there's actually people out there that do that. But it is, it happens, okay? And it can cloud the way we look at things. There are even, as we, as we, as we talk about the, the story of healing, there are even um, theologians out there who, who believe that the only reason Jesus did miracles was, was to reveal he was God, okay? I don't agree with them, but there is a belief out there of this, okay? Uh, it's been around for centuries, actually. And, and one of the passages that they use to kind of support that is, is a story we just looked at in just a few, you know, just right before Christmas. Jesus turns water into wine, and one of the things we find at the end of that story is that Jesus it says this, that what Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So what people have read that and said, see, he, he did that to reveal that he's God. So the reason he did miracles was to reveal that he was God. And somewhere along the way, they've kind of caught this idea that once Jesus, once Jesus revealed he was God, there was no need for miracles. There are churches there are Christians today who believe God doesn't do miracles now because the only reason he did miracles was to reveal that he's God. That would affect the way you read that, this story. See, because if we did that, what we would do is we would see, all we would see in this story is, oh, well, Jesus was just revealing that he's God. And that's it. That's your takeaway. See, I want us to maybe just pause for a minute. See, I look at this story and I, th- I see Jesus saw this woman and he had compassion. And for reasons that we are not told, he decided to heal. Did you hear that? We aren't told why he decided to heal. You okay with that? Are you okay that you don't get to know why God decides to heal some and not others? You know, he has the right to do that, doesn't he? I mean, the God of the universe actually has the right to heal who he decides to heal without explaining it to you. He doesn't have to give you a reason. So let's recognize, maybe we look at this with some preconceived thoughts, a lens that we look at it through. But I want to challenge us to put a new lens on. Okay? Let's see if there's, is there anything else happening in, in here this, that, that maybe we missed, some details that we missed. And so 
I think there's some details that it's possible that we missed, and I want to I just show them to you, okay? And as we do, here's my, here's my request. Would you be sensitive? Would you be, allow the Holy Spirit to maybe just capture you? Because I believe that at some point, as we look at this, he wants to say, hey, listen to this. Recognize this. See this. So the first thing I think it's really easy for us to miss is, number one, is this is Jesus' first physical healing. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. It's not Luke doesn't tell us that. Mark, on the other hand, in, in the book of Mark, this healing happens in chapter one of Mark. He wants to put it right towards the front. He wants us to recognize that this is the first time that Jesus physically heals somebody. Now, we can say that, that when, when he cast out the demon of, the, the, of that man in the synagogue, that that was his first healing, because that's a type of healing. But what we see is this is a little bit different. Okay? So it's his first physical healing. That should stop. That should make us go, oh, this is interesting. This is the first time that Jesus actually healed somebody with a sickness. The second thing I want us to see is, is that Jesus rebukes the fever. I don't know if that's going to be important to you or not, but, but it is something that it's interesting. Luke is the one that tells us this, that Jesus rebuked the fever and the fever left her. Now, Mar- Mark and Matthew tell a little bit different. They say that he touched her hand. I believe it's Matthew that says that he, he helped her up. Now, for some people, they say, well, look at that. There's three different stories, and there's, there's no consistency in the Bible. Now, wait a minute, okay? I want you to realize, Luke has a reason for the way he tells his story. And what we should recognize is, first of all, Luke is talking about Jesus' authority here. And he wants us to recognize who Jesus is, and he, that's why he said just a few short verses earlier. His words had authority. And what we see is following that, he says, and he rebuked the evil spirit, the spirit left him, the man. And then he encounters this woman with a fever and he verbally rebukes the fever and it leaves. Do you hear Luke's language? He wants us to see Jesus has authority in the spoken word. There isn't a conflict in the two stories. Because Matthew and Mark don't tell us that Jesus said anything or that he didn't say anything. Does that make sense? Mark did not say, and Jesus silently touched the woman's hand. No, he said, she, he touched her hand. He didn't say if he said anything or not. Matthew says he helped her up, but he doesn't say silently so what we can recognize is that that the story could have been very easily that that luke could have said he reached out and touched her hand and rebuked the spirit i mean rebuked the fever it's possible that's what happened but there's not a conflict here we just have a different perspective from the story okay and what luke wants us to see is to recognize the authority of god's word the spoken word, Jesus' words. Okay? So he rebukes the fever. The third thing is, is that it's a fever. I thought this was really interesting. As, as, I'm, as I'm looking at the story, I'm thinking, what, what do I need to notice? And all of a sudden, it, it hit me. Ah, a fever is not an illness. Did anyone think of that? Thought of that? It's just a symptom. 
Nobody ever says, oh, I've, I'm just really sick with this fever. No, I'm sick with a cold and I got a fever, right? It's really difficult to determine the cause of a fever, especially in our story here, but we recognize the fever is actually just a sign of an underlying issue. If you have a fever, possibly you have an infection. What's the problem? The fever or the infection? It's the infection. She had a fever. Okay. Number four, this story introduces her because she's sick. We're going to work with that one a little bit, but the only reason we find out about her is because she's sick. Had she not been sick, we might not even have known that Peter was married. Did you know that? This is the place where we discover, oh, Peter was married. I always kind of envisioned him as this single guy. I don't know why, I just did. Number five, the fifth thing that I want us to recognize in this story that maybe we just, it's easy for us to miss, is we're told, at once, she got up and served them. Okay? Now remember, our theme, our, our, our lens that we want to put, look through today is, as Christ is formed in you, as Christ is formed in you, what, what do we look at this story for? And what we've been doing as we've looked at this with this phrase, as Christ is formed in you, one of the things we've been looking at is, well, how, does, how is Jesus being formed, right? And as I looked at this story, it's like, man, I, I don't, I'm not seeing anything right off the bat where Jesus is being formed. And then it struck me. And, and I'll, I'll just give you a little, little insight into my brain. I've been dreading this day. I mean, for the last, I don't know, let's see, this is actually, I, I stopped putting the numbers. This is 15 in the series, number 15 in this series, okay? I don't want you to know how many it is from here on out, just because you might be going, man, give it a rest, right? Anyway, um, <laughs> I knew there was coming a point in Jesus's, in the life of Jesus that I was going to be like, okay, wait a minute, I, I don't know, I can't really see where the, Jesus is actually being growing, he's being transformed, right? So I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to skip the middle part of Jesus's ministry because I don't know what to do with it, or I'm going to have to stretch you know, to make my illustrations. And I didn't want to do any of those. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait a minute. So what's happening as Jesus is going through his life, as he's being formed, as he's in ministry, there's a transition from the formation of Jesus to he begins to make changes to the world around him. It transitions in his life to now he's changing the things around him. As he's formed in you, you will become more like Christ. But in that process of him being formed in you, there's going to be things around him that need to change. In you, around him, that needs to change. In this story, I don't see a transformation in Jesus. What I see is a transformation in the people around him.
Now we may go, well, why didn't God deal with address this? God didn't address that. Why didn't he address that? I've often wondered, why didn't Jesus do something politically? Because the politics of that day needed some work. Not like today, right? And oftentimes I hear from Christians, why doesn't God step into politics? Well, maybe he's stepping into our lives and wanting our life to change. Period. So as we look at this story, I, I, we should be amazed. I mean, think about this. Here's a woman with a fever, and they didn't have ibuprofen. What were they to do? See, we look at it and go, oh, she just had a fever. Big deal, right? No. Jesus walks in, and he heals her. Are we numb to that? Let's not be. Let's be amazed at this. He walks in, and he rebukes the fever, and the fever leaves her. That's awesome. If you want to explain it away, shame on you. If you want to just go, yeah, big deal, shame on you. This is an awesome act. I hope that we, should, we see it. But I also want us to go, so what does this mean for me? I mean, what am I supposed to take out of it? As I read this story, is there anything that I need to apply to my life? Is it possible that as we look at the stories of Jesus healing people in the Bible, maybe they illustrate the healing that he wants to do in you and me? I mean, as I look at the stories of Jesus healing the blind, there are times when I feel like Jesus steps in and opens my eyes. So as I look at this story, I want us to look at it as, okay, how do I fit into it? Where am I in this story? There's three things that, um, that I want us to see as he's formed in us, okay? Our new lens as we read the story. This isn't about what was changing in Jesus. This is about what was changing around Jesus. So the first thing, and I mentioned already, is a fever is just a symptom, Oftentimes, it's an infection. Now, let's pause for a minute. Luke, if you didn't know, is a doctor. And so when he writes about her physical condition, he, when he says that she had a high fever, what he's meaning is she's at this point where it's life or death. A high fever in those days for a doctor means this is, we're just watching and waiting. We don't understand that now, right? Because if we're in a situation like that, pump them with drugs and put them in an ice bath. You know, about 500 years ago, the treatment for a high fever was pile blankets on them. 
Brilliant, right? Finally, a doctor came along and said, you know what? We have a zero success rate for this treatment. Maybe we should try something else. (laughs) So 1,500 years earlier, what do you think they did with a high fever? I don't know, but I know they did. Where do you get ice in the Middle East 2,000 years ago? That's a big deal. And for Luke to say she had a high fever, it is a serious situation. Have you ever, you ever entered a home with somebody that's like really sick? You ever gone to visit somebody with somebody that's really sick? Doesn't it make you just want to stay there? They're in the bathroom throwing up, and you're like, this is great. I'm probably going to go home and get sick too, right? The atmosphere of that home is not great. So Jesus comes into this home, and think about the atmosphere. She has a high fever. They're waiting to find out if she's going to live or not. What if we begin to see this? This is an illustration of our condition. As Jesus is formed in us, there there are places in our lives where we're running a fever. Sometimes we have habits that, we, that are, it's like a fever. Sometimes we have mindsets. The way we think is like running a fever. Sometimes we have prejudices and addictions. All fevers. They're all symptoms to an infection that we have. I kind of view it like this. As Jesus is being formed in me, he kind of goes to rooms of my life. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but I have these places in my heart. And the way I would describe it is this, that there are, there are these places in my heart that my heart's been broken. And my response to that oftentimes is to close that door, lock it, and I don't want to go back in there. And I don't want anybody else to go in there. Because the minute that door gets opened up, everything comes flooding out. And it's like I relive the heartbreak. It is painful. As Jesus is formed in me, he goes to these places in my heart that have a fever, that they're hurt, and I've kind of closed it off. And he says, I, I want to heal. So what are your fevers? What are your fevers? And maybe it's spending. Maybe your spending is a fever. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's gambling, drinking, drugs, anger, depression, gossip. You know, I could go on 
And then what you would have is, oh good, he didn't list the problem I have, right? So it's not a fever apparently, okay? The list keeps going. How about this? Let's just assume that you and I, that you got a fever. There's some places in your life that are, there's fevers. You actually don't know what the infection is, but you can say, this place in my life isn't working right. Something's not right about this place in my life. And if, if you're thinking health issues, think deeper, please, okay? Remember, fever is just a symptom. We may want to blame our past. We may be stuck because we keep hanging on to something that happened years ago. But Jesus can take the fever away because he can heal the infection and he wants to. We spend so much of our life looking back. But God is a God of the future. Let's stop pretending that we're healthy. Instead, let's ask him to heal us. It may mean that we need to open that door in our life. It may mean that some of that stuff spills out. He's big enough. He has the authority over all of that. He is more powerful. It may require forgiving. It may require releasing somebody you have tried to blame. It may mean giving control of that thing to Jesus. As he's formed in you, he will change the things around him. Things that prepare the way for what he has in store for us. As he's changing the things around him, he was there preparing the way. Okay, so number two, her fever prevented her from serving. Ah, did you catch that? Right? I mean, at once, when her fever was gone, at once she got up and served. So we should be able to deduce, right? Why wasn't she serving? Because of her fever. Because when the fever was gone, at once she got up and served. She began to wait on them. So what's going through your mind right now? You know, we can think about what we think about, right? Did you catch that? You can think about what you're thinking about right now. When her fever was gone, she got up and served. What kept her from serving was her fever. So what are you thinking? If you're sitting there going, I wonder what she did. Come on. Think deeper. Okay? What kind of picture does this paint for you? Put yourself in the story. Jesus takes away your fever And at once, you begin to wait on others. Jesus takes away her fever, and at once, she begins to wait on others. 
For those of you who, who know what it's like to have that fever taken away, for Jesus to heal that part of your heart, you can identify with this. There's something here that resonates with you. I've seen it in some of you. I've watched you where God takes a care of this part of your life and all of a sudden you step into a role of servant. It's awesome to see that. I love to see that happen. I'm amazed by it actually. See, serving should be one of the visible results of Jesus being formed in you. Based on what we see in the story especially, one of the, one of the visible results of Jesus being formed in you is, is, is your serving. Jesus didn't heal her to get dinner, okay? If that's what you're reading, you're, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Jesus didn't walk into the house and goes, man, I'm starved. <laughs> I'm going to just take care of that fever so you can go get me that leg of lamb, Okay? He walked in and he had compassion on her. They asked her to heal. And he, they asked him to heal and he healed her. She got up and served. So what kind of thoughts go through your mind? Now I'm going to just do a little mind reading this morning. Okay? I think there's about two options. If I'm way off, I'm sorry. I'm not a good mind reader. Okay? But I'm just guessing here. Two options is what goes through your mind. Uh, number one is this. You're either sitting there thinking, but but I've got this stuff, though. I'm, I mean, I, he's taken away my fever. Yeah, I should be serving, but, but I've got these other things. I'm, I'm kind of busy. I mean, this is why I can't serve, is this and this. And I mean, I'd like to, I'd want to do some more, but I just, there's other stuff going on in my life. We get self-consumed. We get caught up in the busyness of the world around us. I want to serve. I want to do something for Jesus. You hear this story and, you, and there's something in you that perks up. Okay? I think that's one of the things, one of the options that's going through your mind. The other option is this. You're sitting there thinking, eh, time to tune out. He's about ready to drop the boom, right? He's about ready to say, now what we're doing is, is I want you to, to sign up. I don't have a sign up today except for win one, but I don't have a sign-up today. Uh, you've already gone through your list in your head. You've already gone through your list of why you can't serve, why you don't serve. Do you hear that? Why couldn't the woman serve? Because she had a fever. Your list of why you can't serve it's probably your fever. Now, some of us are sitting there thinking, yeah, well, this is what it means to serve, this is what it means to serve, and I don't, physically I'm not able to do that. Stop. That's your version of serving. Let him open the door. Why? Can't you serve? Because you have a fever. And what does God want to do? 
Peter's mother-in-law couldn't serve because she had a fever. Okay? Number three. What can God do if we let others know our problems? I almost just kind of missed. I almost cut my sermon, sermon shorter because you know, that's one of my thoughts. It's not a resolution, okay? It's one of my thoughts is, okay, 2020. Got to shorten my sermons a little bit. You know, we got we to gotta get to the restaurant much more early than the other churches do. Uh, I got to keep you guys awake. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then I realized, I, no, this is a big one. See, we have a tendency to hide our issues. If we can just, if we can just get, if we can just get Jesus to heal me. I can leave that behind me, and nobody has to know that's my problem. If I can just get on top of this, I don't have to tell anybody there's a problem. We dread that moment where everything comes crashing down and we're exposed. But this story tells us the woman had a problem and Jesus healed her. The fact, the only reason we know that this woman existed was because she was sick. Did you notice that? The only reason we know that Peter was married is because his mother-in-law was sick. I don't know what that says about his wife because we don't know anything about her, right? She must have been healthy because we don't know anything about her. 2,000 years later, who does God use? The one that we know nothing about? Or the one that we know was sick and God did something? And what do we want to do? We want our problems to be fixed in secret. There is something inside of us that doesn't want people to know what Jesus has healed us from or what he's healing us from. We convince ourselves we don't want to be a bad example. So we don't let anybody know we have problems. Do you hear the problem in that? I mean, ultimately, what we end up doing is, is hiding our illness. So nobody knows we have a fever. In my language, we come to church, we put that plastic mask on, and we pretend like we've got it all together. Because that's what church is about, right? The place that we come to pretend. Shouldn't this be the place where we come and are real? Imagine, imagine a different version of the Bible. If everybody had that mindset, what would it look like? What would, what would the story of Jesus, what would the Gospels look like? It would be really short, okay? Jesus healed a bunch of people, but they don't actually want anybody to know what he did and what problems they had, so we're just going to move on to the crucifixion. It would be really short. Is, isn't there more? Isn't there a reason why we're given the stories? What could God do with your life if we stopped covering up our issues 
and let him use them to encourage others. What could God do with your life if instead we we let him use our issues, our fevers, to convict others? Do you realize there are times we go to church with people that, that are going through life and they don't even realize there's stuff in their life that's wrong. And when somebody else says, this is where I'm struggling. This is what is going, this is a fever I have. And I know God wants to heal me. All of a sudden somebody goes, oh, I didn't actually know that that was a problem. I shouldn't be doing that. Oh, that's not the way life is supposed to be. That's not the way things work. What could God do if we stopped covering up? It makes me nervous, right? Because, man, who knows what problems you guys have? (laughs) You're so good at covering them up. What if, through our fever, he gave hope to somebody else? because of what he's doing in us. If you, if you just stood around and shared how amazing you are and how healthy you are, people would be like, yeah, great. Right? We only know the woman because she was sick. And God used that for us today. Do you think he wants to use only your successes? Or does he want to use your fevers as well? So my question to you is, what's next? I mean, what's your next step? We look at the story, what we see is, well... We tend to hide our fevers. This woman, everybody knows she was sick. And God used it. What's your next step? Her her fever prevented her from serving. What prevents you from serving? What's your next step? We see in the story that fever is just a symptom. An infection. Are we going to open up? Are we going to let him into that room? And let him heal? What is your next step? Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be a people who are transparent, that we would be a people that, like you, have come to serve, not be served. I pray that you would would help us to be transformed where we say, come on in. Come on in, Jesus, and 
Address my fever. Will you please continue to transform us? I pray that we would be so clear today on what our next step is. That you would make it clear to us. Lord Jesus, help us, heal us, use us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I didn't do this in the first service. Um, I'm gonna do it today. Uh, I have a fever, okay? Yesterday, uh, last week was a holiday week, you know, and it affects my regular work schedule, week schedule, and so yesterday I was working on my sermon and, and uh, I was at home and it's amazing how many, intera- how many interruptions I got yesterday until I blew up. And then nobody wanted to talk to me. But then my attitude was terrible and I didn't want to work on my sermon, okay? So it was this fight, right? And Sabrina helped me with this. But um, I get really frustrated. That's my fever. Not much patience. Easily angered. I think I'm a control freak. And every time something interrupts my control, I get frustrated. I get angry. I don't know what, what you think my angry looks like. Sabrina calls it yelling. I just call it raising my voice. Sabrina calls it throwing something. I call it sliding something across the floor (laughs) vigorously. But um, it misses joy. It lacks contentment. And there's very little peace. If we have to be transparent, I probably should be, huh? So I know my my fever and I kind of know my illness as well. (laughs) And I need his healing. What's your next step? Would you stand with me, please?